0: If you're seeking Biblical wisdom and understanding in these difficult and trying times, and you recognize the power of God's Word to delve deep into the issues of the heart, then welcome to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Quasney, Husband, father, counselor, author, and teacher, join us for Christ-centered, gospel-driven truth concerning our individual, marital, and parenting struggles. This. Is biblical counseling today.
1: As we continue our series of podcasts on the problem of suffering, let's return to a case study I presented in the first episode the case of Ron. Ron was a young pharmacist who ran a drugstore with an older partner. One day, when Ron was almost ready to close up, a teenage junkie pulled a small caliber handgun on him and asked for drugs and money. Ron was willing to lose a day's receipts rather than try to be a hero. He went to open the cash register, his hands trembling as he did so. As he turned, he stumbled and reached for the counter to brace himself. The robber thought he was going for a gun and fired. The bullet went through Ron's abdomen and lodged in his spinal cord. Doctors removed it, but the damage had been done. Ron would never walk again. As a Christian, Ron was certainly in need of some biblical counseling. Friends tried to console him. Some held his hand and commiserated with him. Others tried to help him understand what had happened to him and answer the question, why me? I have to believe one friend said that everything that happens in life happens for a purpose. Somehow or other, everything that happens to us is meant for our good. Now, this friend is beginning with some good biblical counsel, right? He is paraphrasing Romans 8, giving Ron some much-needed truth. Hopefully, he's also giving Ron the compassion and comfort he needs. But as biblical counselors and friends, it's important to affirm that our suffering is never without purpose. It is not random. Every problem we face in our lives—spiritual, mental, emotional, physical, relational— is to be treated by the Christian as having an important purpose— Yet we have to be careful not to just use our own earthly wisdom to proclaim what that purpose is, especially in the lives of other people. Remember what Ron's friend told him. He said, look at it this way. You were always a pretty cocky guy, popular with the girls, flashy cars, confident you were going to make a lot of money. You never really took the time to worry about the people who couldn't keep up with you. Maybe this is God's way of teaching you a lesson, making you more thoughtful, more sensitive to others. Maybe this is God's way of purging you of pride and arrogance and thinking about how you're going to be such a success. It's his way of making you a better, more sensitive person. Now, it may be that some or all of that will be the result of Ron's suffering. But can the counselor slash friend know for sure this is what God's purpose is? Now, granted, the friend did say, maybe this and maybe that is God's purpose, but he sounds pretty confident and sort of judgmental. So how are we truly to know what God's purpose is? And if we continue to suffer, is it because we haven't learned our lesson? We must go back again to scripture to learn God's purpose for suffering in the life of the Christian. Then we need to ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom to apply these purposes to our lives. So let's talk about the purpose of suffering for the Christian. First, suffering may come because of an unrepentant condition. At times, it is necessary for God to inflict pain in order to call the Christian to confess his or her sin. As Christians, this purpose should always come to mind first. Often we're tempted to think the opposite, that we don't deserve what we are going through. Listen to Hebrews 12, five and six. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. As a child of God, you will be disciplined for your sins. You need the continued discipline in your life you will never be able to say that you don't deserve to suffer. It could be that the Lord is seeking for you to confess your sins and repent. The struggles you are having are needed to turn your head from yourself and return to the Heavenly Father. Suffering comes from a Father who loves you. Then there's James 5, verses 13 through 16. James writes, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much." Do you hear how James connects suffering to repentance and the forgiveness of sins? So this purpose of suffering and pain must always be considered first and then drive you to prayer, confession, and repentance. Just think of some scriptural examples of the corrective discipline of God. David, after the sin of Bathsheba. Achan, after stealing from the Lord. Israel as a whole over and over again as they wandered in the wilderness. The Corinthian church as death came to some for abusing the Lord's Supper and many others. The Bible also teaches that God uses a variety of means to carry out his chastisement. Let's go to the problem of the Corinthian church and the Lord's Supper. We find it in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27 to 30, Paul writes, Therefore, Whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep." God used sickness and even death to discipline his church and to warn others from falling into the same grievous sin. Think about some of the means of suffering God has used in your life. Has he used illness, emotional pain, physical pain, maybe poverty or increased stress and pressure or suffering in your relationships? All these can be used in your life to chastise and discipline you. So that means the response of the Christian then to this divine discipline must be repentance. We must ask God to reveal our sin so we can turn from it. Again, this is the first purpose we must use to examine our hearts. But then secondly, suffering is also for the purpose of developing endurance. Listen to Hebrews 12, verses 7 and 11. If you endure chastening or discipline, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not discipline? Now, no discipline seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. We need to suffer in order to produce endurance, the staying power needed to live this life. Think of all the Bible characters, especially the kings of Israel who did not finish well. Christians need to endure to the end. Suffering plays an important part of toughening us up, as well as keeping us humble and giving us character, not allowing us to be soft and mushy. Believe me, I want to be the one person in this world who never needs to suffer since I already have plenty of endurance but I need suffering too. I just don't want it. There is no better way to develop endurance than through suffering. And then third, suffering is for the purpose of developing wisdom. We see this all over the Psalms and Proverbs. Here's one example, Psalm 119, verse 71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. Wow, can you say to the Lord, it's good for me to suffer? Just think of how suffering of any kind produces wisdom. We'll waste our suffering if we don't grow in wisdom during that time. Suffering as a way of sobering us, making us more thoughtful and conscientious. If we ask God for wisdom in our suffering, he will give it to us. The real question is, can you grow in wisdom without difficulty, without struggle, without suffering? And then fourth, suffering is for the purpose of providing opportunities to witness for Christ. The Apostle Paul demonstrated this principle, that the suffering of Christians ends up spreading the gospel throughout the world. Listen to 2 Timothy 2, verses 8 through 10. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to the gospel, for which I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even to the point of chains. But the word of God is not chained. Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Paul's suffering allowed the gospel to flourish. The word of God is never chained. The word of God is never suffering when we suffer. Then there's Philippians 1, verses 12 to 13. Paul writes, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. A lot happened to the Apostle Paul post-conversion, and most of it was hard suffering, as we'll talk about in a later episode. I have personally known dear Christians who use their sufferings of disease, disability, and disorder to be incredible witnesses to doctors, nurses, therapists, as well as others suffering through similar things. If we truly have a heart for the lost, are we willing to suffer for their sake? And then fifth, suffering is for the purpose of developing Christian character. Listen to Romans 5, verses 3 to 4. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. We already mentioned that suffering produces endurance or perseverance, but it also is used by God to produce character. Think about it. Suffering is the opportunity to purge and purify the child of God. Suffering brings with it the opportunity to produce and bear the fruit of the Spirit. Just consider for a moment how these fruit are increased through suffering. Love, joy, peace, oh, especially patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness meekness, self-control. Now, which one of these fruits of the Spirit can you grow in without suffering? Does this purpose of suffering give you some comfort? Well, it should. God wants to grow your character, and as sinners, it takes suffering to learn. Let's continue with what the Bible teaches us are the purposes of suffering. As much as we want to avoid it, suffering is an essential part of our lives in this fallen world. So let's move on to number 6. Suffering provides the opportunity for future reward. Listen to James 1:12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. The crown of life promised for those who persevere in the faith, withstanding trials and temptations. Again, does that make suffering worthwhile to you? It should. Suffering ends in this life and comes with rewards in the next life. And then seventh, suffering can be the occasion for learning contentment. Here's the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4:11 and 12. He writes, Not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. In suffering, we learn how dependent we are on the wrong things. Is Christ the key to your contentment, or are your circumstances? And again, I ask you, can you learn contentment without suffering? Unfortunately, we become so easily dependent on idols and self. Paul learned the secret of contentment when he was in need. Would he have learned it if he had only known abundance? And then eighth, suffering can teach us how to comfort those who suffer. The reality is that we become much more sympathetic and compassionate after going through our own personal suffering. We learn to relate to other people better. We get outside of ourselves. Listen again to the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 through 7. He writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer or if we are comforted is for your consolation and salvation and our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the suffering, so also you will partake of the consolation. Do you hear the chain of events? As sufferers, we are comforted by God. Then we're able to pass that comfort from God onto others. And the reality is that when someone is going through things we have gone through, it is much easier for them to receive comfort from someone with similar experiences. And then, ninth, suffering is the opportunity to experience the power of God in our time of weakness. Listen again to a passage we have already referenced 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7 through 10. Paul writes, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness." Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Through human weakness and suffering, we learn the power of God. And any sort of suffering exposes us as weak people. Now, here's some great commentary on this passage by F.F. Bruce. He writes, The sequel to Paul's mystical experience was a distressing, indeed humiliating, physical ailment, which he feared at first might be a handicap to his effective ministry, but which, in fact, by giving his self-esteem a knockout blow and keeping him constantly dependent on the divine enabling, proved to be a help, not a handicap." Infirmities like this were welcomed, together with the other hardships which were a part of the apostolic lot, if they were the condition on which the power of the risen Christ operated through him. They constantly reminded him not so much of his own inadequacy as of the total adequacy of Christ, in whom he was personally most weak, he knew himself to be most strong. Do we, too, welcome suffering in order to enjoy the grace of God? Or do we ask God by his grace to remove our suffering? We can do both, but when do we see the power of God really at work in our lives? And then our 10th point, suffering can be the opportunity to stimulate generosity in us. Again, the Apostle Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 2, That in great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their generosity. For this church, limited financial resources became opportunity for giving and giving abundantly. It reminds us of the poor widow who gave all that she had. When we're comfortable, we don't tend to be sacrificial in our giving. We don't tend to be that generous. And then 11th, suffering provides the opportunity to vindicate the character of God before Satan. Just remember again the story of Job. We often forget that there is an invisible war in which Christians are combatants. The testing of the believer's faith has significant ramifications in the invisible world. Again, God has purpose for our suffering that is much bigger than just us. How awesome is it when we can go through various trials and hold more tightly to God and trust in Him rather than move away from Him and be angry at Him? Maybe you don't think you are that important in this cosmic battle, but you are. And then next, suffering is the opportunity to demonstrate the genuineness of the believer's faith to Satan. Again, the story of Job. Satan was silenced. Then there's the example of Peter in his time of trial. Listen to Luke 22, verses 31 and 32. And the Lord said, "'Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you, "'that he may sift you as wheat. "'But I have prayed for you, "'that your faith should not fail. "'And when you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren.'" Suffering can be used in our life to shut Satan's accusing mouth. Do you believe in the reality of spiritual warfare? Or do you just focus on this life and how it isn't that comfortable? Finally, suffering has as its high purpose to encourage the believer to trust in God. Remember the ending of the book of Job. Job was never given real answers from God, but he learned to trust more fully in God. Just listen to Psalm 46 for this truth in song. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. So hopefully you can see that there are many, many purposes for your suffering. It's not so simple to reduce it down to some lesson you need to learn, like in the case of Ron. There's an entire complex of purposes that God has for your trial and afflictions. I want to give you one more verse, a quote, and then some concluding statements. First, a summary verse, 1 Peter 4, verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to him in doing good as to a faithful creator. As Christians, we are suffering according to the will of God. Can we then commit our souls to our loving father? And then this extended quote from John Wynnum that summarizes it so well. It is a paradox that although the mature Christian is committed to a fight to the finish against the suffering in others, yet at least in retrospect he welcomes it in himself. Though the prospect may be frightening and the reality itself almost unbearable, Christian teaching and Christian experience both indicate that the path to the crown is by the way of the cross. The saint is to be half soldier. Through hardship he gains toughness powers of endurance and comradeship. Through suffering, he learns sympathy and he grows in purity. At first sight, suffering may appear to have the opposite effect, bringing impatience and fretfulness. But God thereby brings unsuspected evil to the surface in order to gently skim it away. Our Lord, we are told, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He called his disciples happy when they were persecuted. However reluctant we may be to embrace it, we know that suffering rightly received is one of the Christian's supreme means of grace. It is one of the means of keeping him dissatisfied with this world and sustaining his yearning for his true home in heaven. He can sincerely thank God that all his joys are touched with pain. The true value of suffering can be grasped only by suffering. So in conclusion, First, God exercises his sovereignty over the diversity of evils in our life to drive us to himself. Second, suffering can drive us away from God if we do not respond by faith in him. And then third, God's people are given the opportunity through the tests of trials to turn losses into gains for eternity's sake. Take that to heart, Christian And we'll continue our
0: talks on the problem of suffering next time. Thank you for listening to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Quasney. This weekly podcast is supported by Biblical Counseling and Training Ministries, which you can learn more about at bctministries.com. If you have found yourself encouraged or challenged today, please share this podcast with your church, family, and friends. Rate us on iTunes and your social media outlets it really helps. Until next time, may you enjoy the riches of God's compassionate grace and mercy in your life.